this is what I want from other people, right? I don't just want love. I want to be honored and I want to be respected. And I'm like, I have to learn how to do those things. I have to learn how to do them because then I can also now can do that to other people. They can honor their journey. I let them be. <laughs> I've given them so such amount of freedom. It's just allowing other people, respecting other people, honoring their journey, honoring their choices, letting them be who they are and stop trying to think that I know how anybody's lived their life. You're listening to The Wise Woman Podcast, Season 4, Episode 145. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, coach to entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast introduces you to women on their journey to flourishing businesses and lives. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Tracy Martin about her book, As Good as Gold. Welcome back. On the podcast today, I am sharing my conversation with Tracy Martin. Tracy is the author of three books, including As Good as Gold, a 12-step guide to self-love, honor, and respect. Her popular blog, Soul Set in Motion, continues to be a favorite go-to source for advice on self-love, empowerment, and conscious creativity. She is a certified life coach with the Academy of Modern Applied Psychology and works with women to end self-doubt, challenge limiting beliefs, overcome fears, and empower themselves with the decision-making tools they need to stop second-guessing themselves and really get what they want. Having lived the challenges many of her coaching clients face, Tracy offers deep understanding and unprecedented life experience to help them create positive change. As founder of the Real Women of Wonder Retreat, Tracy also promotes mutual support and connection among women in dynamic group settings for the purpose of healing and transforming lives. I can't wait for you to hear this episode after a word from our sponsor. Calling all purpose-driven female entrepreneurs with stories to share with this world. I want you to meet my friend, Abby Gibb, who also happens to be an Emmy award-winning journalist turned business and media mentor. She's helped women like you build million-dollar businesses around your personal story, become best-selling authors, and land TED Talks in months. She's currently offering a special for my community on her number one media marketing course, the Media Visibility Accelerator, a six-module course for purpose-driven entrepreneurs who want to scale their businesses to 25K per month and scale their message into a global movement. This is the program your soul craves and your bank account deserves. Check out the link in today's show notes. Now, on to today's show. Tracy Martin, welcome to the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. I'm excited. Absolutely. I'm really jazzed to be speaking with you today about your book, As Good as Gold, 12-Step Guide to Self-Love, Honor, and Respect. This came out in, what was the date? Of this year, 2021, a month ago. June. Yeah. Wow. How's it going? How's the book tour feeling? 
Um, good. It feels good. I had a great launch party with family and friends, and um, they were so supportive. Just got an opportunity to share with them kind of my journey in writing that book. So, and then you know, I'm just talking to people like yourself with uh, communities of women who might find it valuable. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious. You know, we're still not out of pandemic land. And I'm curious how, because this is not your second, but this is not your first book. I'm curious what it's been like launching a book in pandemic opposed to not in pandemic. Like, how does that feel? How does that compare for you? One part of it um, is that I had a lot more time for writing the book than I would have if it hadn't been um, quarantine. And, you know, so when we when we got deep into the quarantine mode and, you know, nobody's doing anything really, I'm like, well, um, this is a perfect opportunity really just dive in and finish this book. It's been on the table for about two years. So, yeah. And then I think um, launching it has been good because it's right at the tail end of this and, and people are um, doing things and looking for things to do. So it's been good. Uh, people came out to my launch party and people I hadn't seen in like two years. So it was super exciting. I think it's been good too because it's summertime and people have a little more time for reading and things like that. Yeah. Vacation book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although this is deep. So people should expect a deep dive. Um, you have a woman on a boat on the cover and um, just prepare to jump in the deep end. Right. When exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is a deep dive. It is. Um, it's a, it's a process and it's um, self-love is not something you eat decide overnight we're going to do it and it's done and that's part of why you know the journey of the book is is really the journey that we take and cyclical and site and circular and we're on it we're in it for a long time we're on that journey a while so can you tell listeners you know, 12-step guide to self-love honor and respect can you tell listeners as they are out walking their dogs right now or washing the dishes you know, and going at the daily grind, why is it, why is this so important? And why is it important right now? Um, I think, especially for women, I think the message sometimes that we get in social media is that um, self-love is just buying new clothes, getting a pedicure or a massage. And um, it's so much more than that. And I feel like women's whole lives really are, tethered to the reality of whether or not they love themselves. All their experiences in relationships, in the job place can be so disempowering if self-love isn't at the basis of where they're coming from every day. So I just felt like I really wanted to give them an opportunity to see how, how expansive this project could be, the project of self and the project of self-love. And it, um, it doesn't uninclude having people in our lives or having relationships in our lives, but it definitely um, involves putting yourself first and really making it a high priority to do the things that are necessary to earn self-love for yourself because it doesn't come as easy as we're told that it is through social media platforms and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Not just a meme. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that really captured me from the beginning about the book is your story. So the story that you tell is that you growing up were not really taught to put yourself first. You were not taught to um, look for love within self and that 
it wasn't until your second divorce that you really had this like wake up call of like, okay, something here is missing. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like and how it led you down the rabbit hole? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but during my second divorce, I felt really disillusioned and disappointed by relationships as I was doing them in the way that I was doing them. And I felt like something was terribly wrong. And I started kind of delving into books and things that might help me, you know, just basic self-help kind of stuff. And also um, started doing more yoga, started taking care of myself a little bit better. And I think it was through those experiences that I really figured out that I wasn't loving myself, that I didn't even know how. Like, I didn't even know where to begin. Like, and it just was some like illusory thing, right? How do, how do we love ourselves? Is this, um, I had a lot of breakdowns around it. I ride on friends' shoulders thinking this something wrong with, something was wrong with me. And as I talked to people, I realized it wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. There were a lot of people that were experiencing the same kind of thing in, you know, like getting out of relationships and feeling broken. Like we, we don't know how to do them right. And, and it's just that we don't know how to love ourselves. And so it's just really hard to communicate our needs. It's hard to communicate how we want to be loved in relationship with other people. So and, and I thought I got to gotta get this right before I can really uh, dive in and do it again. Early on in the book, you talk about that so many of us are attracted to people that will let us earn their attention. And I know that this is something I've been guilty of in the past. Um, I was on my own self-love journey, I'd say, over the past four years or so, and um, really got to this good place, this like place where I was like, "Wow, my life is awesome. I don't, I don't need a lover. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't need a partner. I'll take a lover here and there, but right, like, I don't need right. a partner Absolutely. because you know I've got what I need right here. But prior to that." everything that I'd been doing was trying to earn people's love and attention. So you outline three things that we can do. You say that love is something you can cultivate so that you can give it. And that because it's generated inside of you, there's no limit to love. And then third, when you take ownership of love, it becomes your superpower. Can you talk to us about those three things? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, actually taking love out of the context of um, everything that I grew up understanding about it in terms of like Hollywood or in terms of what I, you know, what I had seen on television or even what I'd experienced in my uh, parental relationships and recognizing that love is so underrated and undervalued in terms of like what it's what it's capable of doing and what we what we have when we have love within us and when we understand love as something that we own and something that we possess. And I, I make this, um, this analogy that you can decide love somebody one day and then not love them the next day. Like when we see people break up in end relationships and then they hate the person. And like love is something that we generate. We have the ability to love anything. And we know that that's true. We just don't recognize it as something that we possess within. Mm -hmm. And then, so um, understanding that 
It's this well, it never dries up. We can generate more love for more people all the time. Um, we can have love for our cat, for our dog, for um, a book even. So, and then it, knowing that it's a superpower is, is the key to having better relationships with people. So I know like, for example, if I'm in the workplace and I'm struggling with um, a relationship in the workplace even, um, I just ask myself what would be the most loving thing I could give to this person, you know, in order to help repair and heal our relationship and make it better? Or what's the most loving thing that I can give to myself in this relationship? And then, you know, I think when you apply love to having conversations, um, it changes how you interact with people in so many ways, even like the way I interact with my adult children, you know, like I always say I have to come from a place of love when I'm talking to them. If I don't feel it, I just wait wait until I can feel it until I know I'm not coming with a lot of negative energy, but actually like the most loving energy that I can to have a conversation with somebody and let them know that um, like my commitment is to relation, having good relationship with them. And so love just becomes something we use as a tool in order to build our lives, make it better, inform us to, um, and interact with people. The relationships make our life or, or not you know, the interactions we have with other people and with ourselves. Yeah, I come from a positive psychology background. And I've said this on the podcast before, but I think it's always worth repeating. Um, Chris Peterson, the founder of positive psychology, summed it up in three words. He said, positive psychology is other people matter. Yes. Um, yeah. And our relationship with ourselves, with each other, I mean, it's really what makes the world go round. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, this, the emphasis is that sometimes I, you know, um, we all use social media for our marketing, for getting our word out there and things like that. But I also see a lot of, I see a lot of misunderstood ideas about what self-love is and in that it's um, sometimes it's very self-focused and, and definitely in my book from the first chapters have an evolution in the beginning it is rather self-focused that as you move through it, you're going to figure out the book is about how to have relationships, relationship first with yourself and then with other people too. It's not just insular and like, I love myself. No, because the bonus, the outcome of that is being able to love other people. Mm, absolutely. You know what I mean, like it's, yeah. it's, that's part of the journey and you get to the end of the book and you realize, Oh, not just about loving myself, but, in loving myself, I learn how to love others better. Yeah, because and in a way that fulfills me, and then it just becomes like a, um, a back and forth rather than just give and take. Absolutely, because yeah. and, and I think why those relationships with each other matters is because we're mirrors to each other. Oh. Whatever one person is showing us that we bristle against is probably something inside of ourselves that's not yet healed, and we can't. It's so easy to. <laughs> It's so easy to, I'm an introvert, so I spend a ton of time alone and I'll be going around thinking things are great. I'm fantastic. Right. And then you, you know, you get out in the real world and it's like, oh, I, did I say that? Okay. Or mm, did I come across? Okay. In that, am I actually giving out the love that I want to be given? Um, it's like that Ram Dass quote. You think you're like really spiritually evolved until you go visit your family. Your family. <laughs> right. Right. I guess. Totally. Yeah. I feel the same, you know, like as a writer, I spend a lot of time alone, but um, I have um, 
things in my life that allow me to have a lot of social interaction too. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's the self-awareness that you're talking about. Once we, we do start doing this kind of work and that we want to love ourselves and we understand that it's, it's, you know, part and parcel of our having good relationships with others. We're constantly checking ourselves about like, I say that, you know, am I, am I being loving, you know, like, and am I taking care of myself? Am I um, setting proper boundaries for myself? Am I staying within those? We're constantly evaluating what we're doing. And um, I think it's good. That's how we grow. You know, it's how we become aware, grow and, and mark our progress and check ourselves. And uh, yeah, I understand that a hundred percent. Tracy, I think you're so right. And um, it really speaks to um, a passage in your book. It's all of me. So I want to back up before I kind of launch into this and say that Yoke and Abundance was started as a blog. And it was started as a blog of where I was trying to teach myself a lesson. So I opened a yoga studio eight years ago. And um, within a year of opening this yoga studio, another yoga studio opened less than a mile down the road, right? And it seemed like they had a bigger budget. It, they were members of the country club. They got something published in the business journal about their opening. It's, you know, it just seemed like they were the bigger, better version of what I was trying to create. So like there was this green eyed monster within me, right? Of like, yes. and and I'm a yoga teacher. I mean, I, I'm teaching about abundance and I'm teaching about like acceptance and, and yet I'm, and so outwardly, I'm like reaching out to that studio owner and saying, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And it's not that I didn't mean those things Right. on the inside. I was really struggling. There was this really horrible, like green eyed monster there. And so yoga and abundance started because I hit this place where I was like, okay, these emotions have been here too long and it's not, I knew that I wasn't wrong or bad for having the emotions, but I knew I needed to figure out how to like unstuck myself. And so I thought, okay, I know a lot of kick-ass women who are doing really awesome things in the world. And maybe if I start lifting up their stories and their voices, maybe it will help get me out of this little funk that I was in. And it did. And I eventually interviewed that. I'd never told her she was the green, I was the green eyed monster towards her, but I eventually interviewed her for the blog as well. And you have this um, passage talking about how um, sometimes you'll go through your Facebook feed and you'll see the same person posting the same thing about maybe her coaching program or whatever it is. And right. it's like, who is she to do that? Tell us <laughs> about what you think the remedy is. Like, why do those feelings come up and what is the remedy to that? So that's a really, I think that's a really complicated section of the book. And I think it was, um, am I worried a lot about whether or not people would understand what I was trying to say? And you spoke earlier about mirror, like everyone is a mirror. And that's, um, in that instance, like when I was talking about her and what she was doing, um, you know, I, I, jealousy came up and, and I was like, oh, I'm jealous. And, you know, like why, um, one, I don't like feelings of jealousy at all. And um, also like in judgment about the way that, you know, like, well, and she was pretty too. So she had all these pictures of herself everywhere, just tons and tons of selfies and talking about her, her coaching business and things like that and what she was doing. And 
And I just felt so much jealousy. I'm like, I'm judging the way that she went about doing her thing. And I thought, well, and then I realized that there's, you know, I too want the attention that she's seeking. I too um, would, sometimes I would like to be a little less, you know, like to post more selfies and I hold back and I keep myself contained, judging myself that it's bad and wrong to do that. So she was just a mirror of things that I was feeling, wanted, but not willing to admit openly. And I think oftentimes when we are in judgment about other people, it is a mirror to what's going on inside of us. You know, our, our own fears, our own desires unexpressed, you know, uh, things that are just being trapped within us that aren't being authentically released and out into the open. Um, I think I say I'm all of that, you know, like all of the things that I um, judge others for, I, I too have that inside of me. And when I recognize that, it can be easier on myself and I let them go, you know, let them go to have their experience and to create what it is they're creating. And then I just bring the focus back to what it is that I'm doing. And am I, am I expressing myself? Am I being authentically who I want to be? Am I bringing all my gifts to the table in a way that's, you know, helpful to people? Am I letting my passion live through the work that I do and things like that? And when those questions, when the answer to the questions are yes, I feel like I'm a lot less focused on what other people are doing. I'm sure you have the similar experience when you're other women up you know you're like let's get excited about each other <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I really liked that passage that area of the book because I think that it's so easy for us to pretend that we don't have those feelings to pretend that everything's fine and good where really there's actually a storm brewing below the surface right and- And when we're willing to acknowledge it and be really honest about that's how we're feeling, then we can get to the self-love that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, um, and it, and it feels like there's a lot of things that come up in our life that we can utilize as tools and uh, teaching aids for ourselves and our own journey. And that's one of them. I talk about, I think, um, comparison and, and judgment is a huge one. Whenever I'm in judgment, about somebody else and what they're doing. It's just very, I just have to ask myself, when am I, when have I experienced that? When have I been in, in that situation? Um, When, you know, how can I recognize that in myself? And then that really, it teaches me where it is, where it is, where those feelings are and what they're doing in my life. So. Love it. Yeah. Thanks. You have a lot of exercises in the book and I love writing exercises. So at the end of each chapter and sometimes different passages, you give us different writing exercises. And I'm wondering if you have a favorite. Um, I think my favorite probably is the one where I ask everybody to choose the top three things that they desire. Yeah, so... I, I'm not, I must come in the chapter on desire. I, I'm saying, I, I don't have it right in front of me. So I can't remember, but I think the point of that whole section is to recognize that our desire is asking us to become something. It's asking us to step in a certain aspect of ourselves that we haven't yet realized. So for example, if I, I want more love in my life, and desire is asking me to be more loving 
how can you be more how can you be more loving if i want financial freedom i think i mentioned this as one example then i say uh, get rid of your uh, attachments to what money is it means in your life or have you know get it off of this pedestal and then you're free like mm-hmm. it's like you know like desire is always asking us to develop our gifts um clarify our purpose share our passion it's asking us to become something and so that section is i mention it twice like in the chapter and then finally i'm like okay if you haven't done it yet what are your top three things that you want and then looking into what 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 could desire desires be asking you from you to become yeah you also have one that i really enjoy in here which is the um making a list of all the good things you've done and all the people you've helped, all the things you've created, um, even in the past five years. And that's a very helpful exercise. I think it's so easy to forget that we do good things. Yeah, that our lives matter. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that I think valuing our life and no, and that my favorite chapter in the book, in case you weren't going to ask, is last one. Um, and that whole chapter like really surprised me because I didn't even know what I was going to be writing about in that chapter. But I'm like actually being proud of the life that you chose in. You know what I mean? Like I think a lot of times we get so focused on the past and the mistakes and all this stuff. And we forget that one, we've, we've made choices that have brought us to where we are. And when we are proud of that, we're able to like you know, embrace our living of our life in a more serious way. I had this conversation with my son and I'm like, it's so much easier to go from feeling good about your life to feeling better than from feeling bad about your life to even feeling good. Like it's just one step up, like feeling proud of who you are and what you've done in life and what you've created and the people you've helped. And um, I think we need to focus more on that sometimes a little more pat on the back every now and then. Yeah. 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 We go to the negative about ourselves so easily. Yes. Yeah. I think it's just a common, um, a common um, response to not feeling comfortable. Oftentimes or not feeling confident or comfortable and we must be wrong, bad, broken, (laughs) unlovable. There's so many things we just fear. That's like just, are not knowing like uncertainty with other people uncertainty with life and we immediately make it about the ways that we're insufficient yeah which yeah only hurts us that's just part of learning how to love yourself and stop doing that and stop having having replacement items in place for that yeah absolutely it's all the school of life yeah yeah i'm curious as I am going through the process now of writing a book myself too, I'm curious, looking back, what did you learn about yourself that surprised you in writing this book? Wow. Almost everything, almost everything I wrote about in there. <laughs> um, what did I learn? I think, I mean, I learned a lot of things because I was, I was working on getting into words, my experiences and Taking the things that I've learned from other people, from either from coaches, from therapists, from books that I've read, and then melding those with my own experiences and 
trying to bring those stories and things together in a way that would help other people understand the outcome. This is what I learned from this experience and from all this information. And um, so in that process, really getting clear on some things. Uh, I think one really uh, great thing that I was able to get clear on is this understanding of what a boundary is. Mm. And um, we're so often they're so often misunderstand it as like like a wall that we put up, you know, to protect ourselves or to or to control other people or control the behavior of other people. And I I just had this like insight about boundaries because I, I also in that section talk about values and priorities, which I think are those are the tools we use to help create our boundaries. And for me, boundaries are for me. They're they're about what I'm going to do under any given circumstances and, and how I want to live my life. And I, I look at them as like little lights along the path, you know, that kind of light my way. That's my boundary. And I, my goal in life is to learn how to express that to other people when needed, like not, you know, I, or, and also to, to keep myself in, in line with what matters most in my life and what I call my priorities and values thing doesn't align with my values I need to find a way to uh, manage that so that I can stay focused on what matters to me and sometimes that includes having a conversation with somebody and just letting them know that's not something I want to do or that's not an experience I want to have and and um you know like I, I have to work through that on my own every time that i I've come across a point where I feel like things are getting dark along the path and I'm outside of what, um, what I really want. And I know that sounds a little vague without a lot of, um, examples, but the book carries some examples of that. So it's kind of easy to see. Yeah. I I think that this is important. Um, and I want to put a pin in it because so often social media makes boundaries out to be like, drop those people that don't, like cross your boundaries and yeah. it's not that simple like it is really not a once and done thing it's like if you haven't had boundaries in place it's a two-way street as well and it's like if you love that other person you have to show them why you're setting this boundary why it's important and like they have a habit of reacting in a certain way or doing things a certain way. So they have to change a habit and changing a habit is not an overnight, like, okay, you told me once I'm going to now do it this way forever. You know, like it, it takes a dance. Absolutely. And that's part of it is like um, boundaries are something we should be working with all the time, all the time. Like it's just about going um, when I feel bad, when I feel not well in relationship or in a, situation it's up to me to look and go okay where have I where have I sold out where have I done something that doesn't fit well with who I am where have I compromised my own values my own boundaries and um and then I I have to work to make it right it's the work of relationship anyway but if we just think about boundaries once or twice a year we're kind of losing an opportunity to really direct our lives in way I mean, I feel like we can create our life to look very close to the way we want it to, but we have to use those tools. We have to use the tools that we've been given in order to make it happen. Absolutely. I just want it. It is a, it's work. It's work. 
Tracy, this um, leads me to you were, um, you taught dance. Yeah, I still do. <laughs> okay, okay. So tell us about what you teach and I, and talk to us about the importance of standing on your own two feet when you're dancing with a partner. Please. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I use that analogy because it really, it really, um, me, it helps, it really helps me understand about the process, but uh, yeah, I teach uh, ballroom dancing and um, I teach a lot of social dancing because used to dance at a competitive level, but I don't anymore. And so now I teach a lot of social dancing and I do a lot of wedding dances for people like couples or um, mother-son dances and things like that, which I find to be super, super fun. So I do work with a lot of beginners and initially beginners are like really holding on to each other. And, you know, it's, grip, like, it's scary, I guess. And, and so the problem is, is that, if I'm holding on to you really tight, I can't move myself. It's just like physically or physiologically impossible um, that we first have to be willing to both move and both stand on our own two feet, um, keep our own balance, touch each other, but we need to both move independently. And I think in life, we actually have to do that a lot too. You know, we have to be able to, we have to be willing to stand on our own two feet, to move, to take action when necessary and know that the other people that we're in relationship with will also do that. Yeah. I guess that's the difference between codependence and interdependence. It's like you're code, you're crippling one another. If you are just squeezing each other so tight, like neither person can move if you're holding on for dear life. But when you're each standing on, on your own two feet, you have a healthy interdependence in, in that. And I just, that, I loved that metaphor. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I love it too. <laughs> it's a fun one. Cause it, um, I think people can imagine it. Cause I think people, most people have at least tried to dance at some point in their life or they're used to like, old you know, the high school dance where you actually are just like holding on to each other and just trying to like move as one. And it, it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward. So yeah, absolutely. But I get it. What else do you want people to know about your book? Hmm. I, um, I get a lot of, I get a lot of questions about the writing process, it's the, the creative process or the writing process. And um, people ask me a lot of times if I have writer's block, I'm sure you're, you know, have a similar experience with this, but I write every day. Every single day I have some writing, you know, in the morning journaling and stuff. So I constantly, I feel like I constantly have an open door to uh, like universal flow when it comes to like ideas. I constantly keep the door open. So I never run out of things to write about because it's constantly flowing. I think it's when we do things in and starts in our life. And even, you know, like my self-love journey is the same. I keep the door open all the time learning lessons to being shown what it is that's going to make my life better. And so that's really important. I think that we always, when we're looking at our experience with self-love is that we keep that door open. We, we do some little practices all the time that are, that are at, you know, asking ourselves to grow and to become um, more loving people, mostly for ourselves, but also because that makes our life richer and happier <laughs> in general it's really full of a lot of stories and I had fun writing those and I had fun using those as examples to help people, you know, understand a little bit more about 
my experience and also to understand the concepts a little bit more fully because some of them can be a little more a little challenging. I think when I first started like looking into self-love, I I had no idea it was going to be as or um, complex as it eventually became for me. And um, I think in the I didn't just use the self-love in the title. I also used honor and respect because I feel like when I really dug deep, what I found like is that I disrespected myself mm. a ton. Like I didn't have a lot of respect for myself. I wasn't honoring my life. I wasn't honoring myself or in relationship with others. So self-love was part of it, understanding love. But when I got in and dig around that, those two other elements for me just kept coming up. And I'm like, this is crucial because this is what I want from other people. Right. I don't just want love. I want to be honored and I want to be respected. And I'm like, I have to learn how to do those things. I have to learn how to do them because then I can also now can do that to other people. I can honor their journey. I let them be. <laughs> I've given them so such amount of freedom. It's just allowing other people, respecting other people, honoring their journey, honoring their choices, letting them be who they are and stop trying to think that I know how anybody's live their life. Mm. And that brought me an immense amount of freedom, yeah. you know, a freedom for myself. Like I get to free myself around this as I do it for everybody else and just go, Hey, that's, you know, maybe it se- seems a little laissez faire. It's not that I don't care. It's that I just, I don't have an opinion on it anymore. And that that's, I don't know. That's very freeing. Yeah. Not having an opinion on what other people should be doing <laughs> or how yeah. they should be living their life or making choices or even with my kids, and that's been really hard, but it's letting them go, choosing to let them have their path and, you know, speak when I have to, when it's necessary, when it, boundaries are crossed, but otherwise, you know, I know that their experience is their own. So, Tracy, that's beautiful. Thank you. Hey, hey. And last question for you is how okay. do you live a life of abundance? How do I live it? Wow. <laughs> well, um, I have a gratitude journal. So every day I write in my gratitude journal um, things that uh, really moved me and caused me to feel abundant in my life. I um, have lots of little practices that I kind of pick up from here and there along the way. Like, uh, I don't know if, you know, is it a, a, a vision, you know, vision, Lakiani vision, the, uh, the founder of Mind Valley Institute. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, he he has a little piece on um, what he called arigato, your money. Like when you buy something and you get the money for, yes. allow, you know, for the time it's spent with you or whatever, like appreciating the money when you spend it like that. But um, I just try to fill my days as much as possible with things that also fulfill me and, and the work that I do um, with women. Um, I have, for example, I'm planning a retreat for this um, fall and to do that and creating um, my life around the things that I really love to do, being able to serve women and help in their journey as well, their self-love journey. And that gives me a great feeling of fulfillment, which I, I think part and parcel of abundance is, is doing the things that we love and not putting them on the back burner. It's really easy to feel depleted and empty when you're not giving, um, giving priority to the things that matter to you, you know, like, the work you really want to do or um, the way that you want to live your life, put it all on the back burner. You're going to feel, you're going to feel uh, very, um, like not very, 
Not very abundant. Not very abundant at all. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom with all of us. Oh, you're welcome. I so appreciate your inviting me to be here and uh, talk to your your audience about the book. And uh, thank you. A huge thank you to you for tuning in today. Let's do it again next week. In the meantime, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you enjoyed today's show and know another woman who needs to hear this episode too, could you share with her right now? Just text her the link and be sure to let her know why this episode is a must listen. Remember, sharing is caring, so spread the love. Thank you so much for being a part of this Yoke and Abundance community. I do it all for you. I hope these episodes make you feel seen, heard, and loved. Now, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Abby Gibb, and her Media Visibility Accelerator. It's seriously a phenomenal, game-changing course. Thank you to Ira Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music, and thank you to my editor, Tumani Johnson of FX Media, for his work on today's episode. Keep creating, making, and sharing it with the world because that is true abundance.